where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. No matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. And you are wanted and you are valued here. We have stories of faith that connect us, whether you're in Connecticut, Colorado, the United States, or Europe, or anywhere in the world. And this morning's reading is a continuation of Jesus' long goodbye to his students. The setting is more of an after-dinner talk than a graduation speech. Think of it as the intimacy of a family room with an awareness in the atmosphere that there are big challenges ahead. Jesus was trying to offer comfort and concrete guidance, sort of like the teachers that have been preparing students for the AP exams this past Friday all year long. And it seems at the last minute there were some new instructions. Jesus threw in a new commandment. He'd already washed their feet that led them to think that maybe he's losing his mind a little bit. And then he came up with this. Love one another. Sounds simple, but there's more. He goes on to say, just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. And this is how people will know that you are my students, by your love for one another. And that sets us up for John's Gospel, the 14th chapter, starting at the 15th verse. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you an advocate to be with you forever. This is the spirit of truth that the world cannot receive, because the world neither sees it nor knows it. You know it, though, because this spirit abides with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphaned. I am coming to you. In a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Because I live, you will also live. One of the subtexts throughout this reading is that you're going to have to put these teachings into practice. And you're going to have to do this in my absence. So I'm not going to be there to see it. And do this as an expression of your love for me. So in other words, we're not going to be continuing to meet in this format. I will not be completely absent, but you're going to feel like you're on your own. And this is when it's going to really matter most. And Jesus knew them well enough that they, like us, would need help along the way. Not that old classroom to gather in, no old notes and books. I mean, they might help to serve as a little bit of a reminder of what was learned, but the road ahead was going to require ongoing guidance and support. So like the AP exams, not everyone had the same essay question to answer. So that's why the notes aren't always as helpful as we like to think or even books. You just don't know what the question's going to be or what the circumstance and challenge is going to be. Even in the face of this pandemic, 
the struggles and challenges are not equal or the same. I've heard people say we're all in the same boat, and then that got changed to we're not all in the same boat, but we're all in the same storm. And I would say neither is true. We are all experiencing this a little bit differently. And some have burdens and challenges that exceed mine, for instance. And this is where Jesus introduces the promise of the Holy Spirit. It's like a tutor that lives inside you. Jesus says, God will provide another. And the word here translates as advocate, or helper, or comforter, or counselor, or friend. And I like advocate and helper best because I want to make sure that the help comes from someone that is advocating the position of Jesus with the goal of God's kingdom in mind. Not just someone who maybe, sometimes friend can feel a little too light, even though I know it isn't, but I want to make sure that the help is coming from someone who knows more than me and can see a bigger picture than me. As I was exploring this passage a little bit more, um, there's a commentary that always pops up that I rarely click on. And by rarely, I mean, I don't think I've clicked on it in a decade. And it's a commentary by a man named Matthew Henry. He was a minister in the UK in the 6th century. I mean, 16th century, 6th. 16th century. He wrote a six-volume biblical commentary. And what I love about this, well, I'm so glad I clicked on it, and I feel like I was helped in that way um, to click on it. He says that the expression of the promise of the Holy Spirit denotes a person. So it's not abstract. It's one to the other. It's another person who can serve in this role. And he says this too, I will come to you in my spirit in the tokens of God's love and visits of God's grace. So however God's love and God's grace appear to you, there is that advocate, that helper, that remnant of Jesus, the living proof of a living God. There are six words in that passage that really um, are so deeply meaningful to me that I was almost not going to focus on it because I was worried that it might be emotional. But it doesn't feel too emotional now. And not that emotional is a problem, but I just want to be able to get some words out. Um, and they are these words. I will not leave you orphaned. I think we would all agree that to be orphaned or to feel orphaned is a place of vulnerability that is difficult to welcome. It's the absence of the safety net. Last week we were talking about a trapeze. Imagine doing a trapeze without a safety net. That just doesn't seem wise. 
And in this place of vulnerability, God leans in. That's what it means. That's what I hear when I hear, I will not leave you orphaned. God leans in and creates family and community in ways we didn't expect. Like Emily shared. Emily had some plants. She liked her plants. She was ready to follow the plan. Her husband was on board as well. And that didn't happen. Plan B started to emerge. God leaned in and started to gradually, in the pain and the challenge of that time, introduce a plan B. And what's fascinating about this, from my perspective, is that the spirit of adoption always catches us in these assumptions. You know, like we assume that love should come from our family of origin. We assume that the people who say they want to spend the rest of their lives with us will treat us with respect and dignity and honor. And the harsh reality is that sometimes that's not the case. And sometimes that leads to the deepest betrayal and pain. But it's not the end of the story. It doesn't have to be the end of the story. That's the beauty of adoption. As we lit the way for folks who are in harm's way, that they may find a way out or a way forward. That's where adoption can provide the walkway to that new place. The Facebook post that says, if you're in danger right now, just send me a private message. I'll come and knock on your door. It's not necessarily the people you have you would have chosen or the ways you might have envisioned your life, not where you expected to find it, but love is there. And this passage, as I said earlier, I have felt and known this passage to the marrow of my bones. And I know some of you have as well. And I first took up this passage as an adult when I was in Nebraska right after my mom died. That was a huge loss for me, and I had never felt grief ever like that. And I was there, I was in Nebraska, far from my family, which turned out to be a good thing, because then this whole other family emerged. And a family that was very different than my family of origin, a family that, that really um, knew the life-giving power of love and were able to demonstrate it and live it. I knew in that moment that I had been adopted by an entire community of fellow students. And in knowing that, I was able to look back and see how I had been adopted throughout my entire life not just by some of the usual suspects of teachers and coaches and neighbors and counselors, but also in the non-person ways, which was actually quite big for me. So I'm just going to add to 
Henry's commentary and say, you know, it's not always people. The open space behind my childhood home was a place of sanctuary and refuge for me. I felt hugged and loved by the dirt and the trees and the pond and the frogs. I felt free to run up and down the hills and to eat the blackberries, even getting prickers all over my hands. I remember the long views of the horizon of the Atlantic Ocean. When I had seen pictures before I came to Colorado, many decades before, the strength of the mountains engaged my imagination and somehow befriended me. And later I found the endurance of the desert and was adopted by that landscape as well. But I would say the single most influential way that I have experienced adoption is through church community. And that's why, if you had tuned in last week, in the words of welcome, I said, we do this for you. And on the inside, I was crying, and on the outside, I couldn't speak. Because the you is plural. For each of us and for me, the church community offers an opportunity for the very best expression of what this adoption can be. Where it says no matter who you are or where you are on Christ on life's journey, you're welcome here. It's also a place that will say, you are welcome here, and we have to make a commitment to not harm each other. And we have to make a commitment to grow and be stretched by each other in ways that are even more loving and to demonstrate that love even more fully. How have you experienced the spirit of adoption? Within it holds the paradoxes of in absence there will be presence. That which is unseen will become visible. In dying, there will be life. The spirit of adoption invites us to draw the circle wide and to see the bigger picture, to endure the pains of a love that stretches and pulls us. <clears throat> to resist the impulse to walk away, to love one another. The spirit of adoption invites us to lean in and get closer. And I suspect that leaning in and getting closer might be easier for some than this next piece, which is to let in and to let others get closer to you. Last week's words still ring true. We learn and are healed by committing ourselves to others, especially those at the margins. And the gift of community is found in the ways we let other people get through to us and the way we move out of ourselves. So here's this week's language in those sentences. We learn and are healed by loving others, especially those at the margins. 
And the gift of community is found in the ways we let other people love us and the way we love others. The Spirit both abides with us, we're told, and is in us. In other words, will be with us, right beside us, sometimes right in front of us, extending a hand, sometimes behind us with a gentle push, and also within us. And the reality or option of adoption finds each of us at the margins, where we are both cared for and asked to do the same for others. And sometimes this happens in little ways and sometimes in much bigger commitments. And now we have the gift of another sharing from a family in our congregation, and we're going to hear from Anna Wing. Good morning. My name is Anna Wing, and my pronouns are she, her, and hers. Sarah asked me this morning to talk about this scripture in particular, the line in verse 18 that says, I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. And the reason she asked me to talk about this is because our family has been on an adoption journey since 2016. This line of uh, scripture speaks to me in two ways. The first has to do with our call to adopt. And the second has to do with um, how, how God never really orphans us, even in difficult situations. So adoption is a very biblical thing. It's mentioned in the Bible a lot. Um, the idea that orphans will receive justice, orphans will receive care, all of that kind of thing. Um, that was never um, something I took a lot of consideration into in the idea of adoption um, early on. I have known I've wanted to adopt since I wanted my own family. Um, I've known I've wanted ad an adopted child or foster children or however that worked. Um, and so in 2016, I began to plant the seeds of adoption in my husband's head. And it was never coming at it from this like biblical standpoint. It was, I just really feel in my heart that this is what I'm supposed to do. And so we had a lot of discussion and we had a lot of research and we had a lot of talking and we had a lot of just figuring out, is this right for our family? And in 2017, we decided it was. So we filled out our paperwork and I was elated. I was like, okay, this is great. And it's a 36 month process. So in 36 months, our kiddo will be home. That was in 2017. It is 2020. And we probably have at least two more years before our kiddo will be coming home, um, depending on what happens with COVID-19. So when I say that adoption is a call, <clears throat> what I mean is that person who was so elated and so excited at the idea of a 36-month timeline, as a family, we have experienced every possible emotion in this process. There has been anger 
and frustration at how long we've had to wait and at how long it takes. There has been joy and elation at receiving our match last month for a five-year-old little boy from Haiti. There is sadness around his story, which is truly tragic, um, that hopefully he'll share with you someday. There is frustration around the idea that nothing has gone smoothly. There have been highs and lows and ups and downs. There's fear around, can we parent this child? Is this really right for our family? Our daughter's gonna turn nine in September. Should we really be introducing another kid into the family? There's all these questions. There's all this stuff that churns and roils and makes it so hard to understand where you should be. And yet every person I've ever talked to who has had a call, pastors, other people who felt called to be teachers, doctors, nurses, whatever, have said to me, you're never really at peace until you answer that call. And so while the call may not mean proficiency or speed or comfort, it does mean peace and it does mean acceptance, and it does mean perseverance, and it means faith that God is with you in this. We are not sure of the outcomes of this process. I mean, the hope is that at the end of the process there is a child, but that isn't even a reality until he is here with us. So what it also means is that this child is a gift to us from God. We answered a call from God to do this, and this child is a gift to us. Everyone always says to me, oh, what a lucky kid. He's going to have great parents and all these opportunities and a great older sister and all of these things. And... What I like to say is, oh, what a lucky family we are that God called us to this journey. The gift is ours. The gift is a child that we get to experience in all the beauty and hardship and joy that he is. God's call, I believe, is always a blessing to the called. But it doesn't mean the process will be without difficulty. And that's where the second piece of this scripture meaning happens for me. I recently read a book by Danielle Schroyer called Original Blessing, Putting Sin in Its Rightful Place. And in the book, she says, when we are in the trenches of pain, we cannot always say that God fixes it, but we can say God is with us. This quote speaks to our adoption journey. It speaks to our world right now. It speaks to 
many, many hard, difficult situations that we are in in life regularly. What I like about this quote, what it says to me in this way is that <clears throat> just like a good parent, God recognizes that fixing things isn't always the best for us. And that doesn't mean that he isn't there. It doesn't mean that he isn't leaning into our trauma, our grief, our hurt, our pain. What it means is that he's empathizing with us and he's there with us, but he's not saying, I'm going to take this away from you in your timeline, in your way, in what you want. Uh, it reminds me of a small child who my daughter used to have um, tantrums because I give her the wrong color cup or she doesn't like the blue plate or these socks are too itchy or whatever myriad of reasons. And there were many times in that toddlerhood where I had to say to her, I'm sorry that you feel that way, but I'm not going to fix this for you because beautiful being, you can do hard things. And I think when God reminds us of that beautiful being, you can do hard things. He's saying to us, I am with you always. I have never orphaned you, but those hard things, those difficulties, those situations that I don't fix for you in the immediate time frame are the situations that lend you your humanity and your ability to bring my kingdom to this earth. 